What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Starting Point Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Kilquist, bringing you guys episode number 19 today. Hope you guys got a chance to check out episode 18 with Samin Swint. That was a, it's a really fun episode for me, and uh, I definitely learned a lot about professional basketball overseas. There are a lot of interesting um, things that he explained that I never never would have known, you know, obviously, if I didn't get the, if I didn't get the chance to bring Samin on the podcast. So be sure to check that episode out. Like I always let you guys know. Uh, episodes drop every other Wednesday, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and you can give the uh, give the podcast a follow on Instagram at Starting Point Podcast. Um, find out when episodes are dropping, who the guest is going to be, and like I've tried trying to do, I'll try to do some more, post some short clips of of the episodes on there. So be sure to look out for that. Um, very very excited for for this episode that you guys are about to listen to. Um, the guest is John Kilmer. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know who John Kilmer is, um, he's a producer in many different mediums, uh, podcasts, music, short films, you name it, he does it. And the way, you know, I, I got connected with John, if you guys have heard me reference uh, the artist Mike Studd on here, now it goes by Mike. Um, I've been following him for about 10 years now, so that goes, that goes hand-in-hand with John Kilmer because he's been his producer since the beginning. So been following him for about 10 years, for, uh, for about 10 years, and then... Um, always thought it'd be awesome to get him on the podcast. You know, I was always, I guess, a little nervous to reach out to him. And then I saw he was he was doing podcasts for fans. So I thought that was a perfect opportunity. I reached out to him and he got back to me very, very quickly and said, you know, he'd be happy to do it whenever. So we set it up and it was an awesome episode. Uh, more than I more than I could have asked for. Like, like I said, I've been following him for 10 years now. So just hopping on a Zoom call with him was honestly just surreal. And, and you'll hear me say that a couple of times throughout the episode because it truly was a goal of mine to get him on here, so I love love that we were able to do it. And uh, he definitely definitely didn't. Um, he was exactly what you see on Instagram, exactly what you see, you know, on tour and all these concerts. So it was an awesome experience for me, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, like I mentioned last time, this might be the last episode due to uh, military, you know, going away or whatever. I might be able to get another episode in after this, and then. But if I do, that will be the last one for a little bit. And like I said, I'll keep you guys posted, keep you guys updated on what's going on. I'll try to get episodes out as frequently as possible. But if not, uh, thank you guys for sticking by me. I will I will continue to uh, shoot out updates on Instagram and whatnot and, and let you know, uh, let you guys know what's going on. Uh, and then just a breakdown of today's episode. Like I said, uh, the guest will be John Kilmer, and he is a producer. So as you can imagine, that is a big thing we'll begin to. Um, you know, how he got into producing music, short films, podcasts, which is relatively new. Um, I know podcasts have been around for a little bit, but they just got popular and, and he just got into them a couple of years ago. So we'll talk about that. And like I said, for someone I've been following for 10 years, I definitely had to throw in some, some fun questions, you know, just about touring and, you know, what it's been like being a producer for an artist and kind of coming up with him um, and, you know, the business avenue and, you know, they're moving from state to state every couple of months. So, Definitely a lot of good questions about being a producer, but then also just some fun, you know, curious questions because, you know, I'm the host of the podcast, but I'm also simply a fan of him. And like I said, John Kilmer is exactly what you guys see on Instagram. For, for those of you guys who don't know, him, he's a very funny guy, very real. Um, and you guys will see that in the podcast. So that being said, let's uh, enjoy the podcast. Hey, Kilmer, man, welcome into the podcast. What's up, brother? Happy to be here. Absolutely. Love having you on here. And uh, it's honestly surreal having you on here. Like I just showed you that picture, met, meeting you back in like 2014 and, and finally getting to this point. And actually kind of like a manifestation thing, I guess, when I started the podcast, 
I kind of wrote down in my notebook, like all guests I want to be on here and your name was one of the ones on there. So it's, it's really awesome having you on here. And I uh, thank you for taking some uh, time out of your busy schedule. Of course, dude. No, thanks for, thanks for having me. I, I really don't even do anything. I'm a bum dude. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see in the podcast. You're not a bum. Uh, well, I, my brother's also a big fan. So I was kind of talking to him, you know, just about some different questions. And before we get into some of the more serious questions, just a little funny question that we kind of came up with. Um, and you can explain what, what touring's boring is, but we're kind of curious, you know, how were you always managing getting good footage for touring's boring, always being slightly, you know, intoxicated in all the tours? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I think the footage was so good because I was so hammered, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you just get like a real authentic, you know, feel uh, of what our tour life was because you had a, I, you just had another hammered guy on tour filming every all the other hammered guys on tour. So you, you're just getting the most inside look possible, you know. And how, how did you guys yeah. come up with that idea? You just wanted to show the fans what it was like. Um, it was I mean, I think it was an accident, honestly. I mean, it was probably around like 2011, 2012. I started filming like our early shows and we, when we started going on our first like headlining shows uh, around the country, I'd like these crappy little venues, you know, two, 300 person venues at like right. these bars and stuff. I would just like, I would just film what was happening. I would, I would, you know, we'd all get drunk. I'd film what was happening. And it was very like, it's, it ended up being very sarcastic because in those early days, you know, we were independent right? and we were running the business ourselves and we were just like, fucking drunk assholes we didn't we didn't know what the fuck we were doing and i was just capturing it all and uh when we look back at the footage of like us fucking up you know night after night you know like whether it was like forgetting to collect our check or like losing the car keys or you know like mike getting too drunk where he can't perform on stage like we we get all this footage and then like we would go back and do these sarcastic interviews where we're like yeah like we fucking crushed it last night and you know we we uh we, we were all about business and just you know doing what's right and when we put it all together it was just like this really funny uh interpretation of our nights on tour so uh, i kind of started that way and then it just kind of kept building and building and it kept giving uh a fans a more inside look at what our life was like on tour and who we were as people and, and that type of stuff Right. And like we were just talking about before we hopped on here, um, you know, more tours come in the future. Are you guys more mature now or do you see, uh, do you foresee Touring's Born coming right back? Um, well, if, if you haven't noticed, we had to take Touring's Boring off YouTube and we didn't have to, but we, we decided to take Touring's Boring off YouTube. Not that we did anything wrong, but like given the social climate of today, you know, a lot of it can be misconstrued, especially if that's your first impression of, of us. Right. And it's not really a fair interpretation of us now because those videos, you know, some of them are like seven, eight years old. So, you know, it's it was a nice memory of like what we were like coming up in the music industry, but it's not, you know, it's not a fair reflection of who we are today. So we took it down and we may, you know, we may re-release it just for the fans on like a more private platform, but mm. um going forward like our tour vlogs are probably going to be a little different but it's gonna you know it's we haven't really changed that much you know <laughs> no, no, i was gonna say i've been following you for a while you guys haven't changed too much and i yeah i forgot about that i did try to look up the old torrents born and i couldn't find them so i guess now exactly yeah exactly but, uh, <laughs> so that's that's a little insight to who john kilmer's but if you just want to tell people you know kind of like what you're doing now and just where you're at and we can go from there yeah man i mean i I always struggle to kind of answer that question, you know, what I do. Cause I, you know, I, I really, I wear a lot of hats and I'm, I'm a producer of many mediums. So right. You know, I, right now I'm producing, you know, our Y and K podcast and 
uh, producing Johnny Manziel's Ball Don't Lie podcast, which is coming out very soon. Uh, pot- potentially this week. Um, I produce music. I, I came up, you know, producing music for Mike, and now I produce music for some other artists. I'm a video producer. I've produced like hundreds of music videos. I started producing my own feature films. I'm working on my second one right now. Awesome. Uh, I think that I think that just about covers it. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. When someone asks you, you know, that typical question, oh man, like, you know, what do you do? I figured your answer would be kind of difficult. Cause like you said, you do do so many different things. And I, and I run the best beer pong league in the entire fucking universe, dude, the <laughs> Bellina cup. We can oh, get yeah. into that too. But yeah, dude, I, it's, you know, a lot of exciting stuff. Absolutely. So that, that leads me to my next question. You know, where'd this whole journey of John Kilmer begin? You know, were you in high school thinking this is what I want to do or, you know, like kind of where was your head at back, back then? Is this where the starting point podcast comes in? Exactly. Exactly. Starting at my starting point. Yes, sir. Um, man, it's tough. I, I was one of those lucky people that just fell in love with their uh, fell in love with like what they wanted to do at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably I was probably like 13 when I got my first camera, you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm old. So like this is back in the day <laughs> where there's no fucking iPhones or smartphones or, you know, it was it wasn't like a, a normalcy to have a camera. So right. it, it was the type of camera that had those little like mini DV tapes. They were like, like little cassette tapes you'd put in and it'd probably capture like an hour of footage. Uh, but that was my first camera. And like, I, I fell in love with it immediately. And I was also, I caught a lucky break that my high school had programs where I could take like a video art class and like I could take a music class uh, where a lot of, you know, a lot of high schools didn't offer stuff like that. So right. I, I caught a, a lot of lucky breaks early on. And then, you know, I went to school, I majored in film. I, uh, I always, I always loved music, doing music on the side. Uh, I started producing music by making my own music. And uh, it was, you know, I was like a parody, I was like a parody rapper. Honestly, I was like a little Dicky before a little Dicky, to be honest with you. What was your rap name? I believe you said it on the YNK podcast, right? Jake Hill, Jake Hill for life, baby. Uh, <laughs> and I joke about inventing frat rap because, like, in a way, I kind of did. I was in a fraternity and I rapped and I made funny music. And you know, it's before frat rap was even a thing. So, like, right. that's kind of like the ongoing joke is that I invented frat rap. I know, woohoo, go me. So, what um, you're saying is Mike kind of copied off of you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I basically paved the way for people like Mike Stud. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, I guess I have to answer your question. I have a lot of starting points. I mean, you could, you look back at, you know, where your career starts. I mean, yeah. the, for me, the starting point is when I, when I fell in love with the craft and, you know, I fell in love with, with the filmmaking when I got my first camera, when I was 13 or 14 years old, I fell in love with music when I picked up a guitar for the first time when I was like 14 or 15 years old. So it kind of all started from there. Was there any influences? Like, was it, you know, a friend, a family member, or anything like that? Or did you kind of just start it and just fell in love? Yeah, man, the camera stuff, I have no idea what the influence was. I think I, I mean, it was like a toy to me at the time. I was a kid. So like right. a camera, like that's the best part of this stuff is like you fall in love because it's just fun, you know, like, and same with guitar. Like, I mean, I, I think with a guitar, it's like the influences where I was a huge like classic rock guy and mm. you know I, I started you know I started getting a little high when I was 15 so you know you, I and I had like a huge like you know afro when I was in high school so yeah. you know I was kind of like a little hippie when I was younger and I think that's my music influences but with film it was it was legit just having fun with a camera like it was a toy and 
I would make like, you know, funny jackass videos with my friends. Remember in the beginning of Jackass, where like there was like the disclaimer in the beginning of the show where it's like, don't do this. Yeah, yeah. At, you home. Did it at home. I did it at home. I did. <laughs> I was one of the guys that did it at home. And my friends and I, we'd like jump off, you know, my, like my roof at my house, and like we'd like light shit on fire. Anyways, that that's that's how all like the camera stuff started, and it eventually blossomed into getting a film degree, and you know, then going on to shoot music videos and yada yada. So then when you kind of went on to college, did you know that you kind of wanted to go on, I guess, like this independent route? You know what I mean? Like, did you did you always know you kind of went to work essentially for yourself? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I slowly as I like tried to get internships throughout college, like over the summers and stuff, like I was I was struggling to even get an internship to like work for free. And I'm like, if this is the job market for my like <laughs> for yeah. my career path, like I'm fucked. Like I'm so fucked. Um, but then, you know, as I went through college, I started, you know, uh, acquiring more like skill sets, you know, like I started learning, uh, how to edit videos and edit music and record music and edit photos and do photo shoots. And, you know, I, I wasn't a pro by any means, but I was like, all right, like I, I know how to do so many different things. I could probably figure it out. You know, like I could, right. I could probably scrape enough cash every month to live on my own. Uh, but even even after graduating college, like I, you know, I had two internships and uh, they were great. I mean, they still serve me today. One was uh, one was a sound design studio for like um, movies and TV shows and video games. And one was kind of like a personal assistant to a multi-platinum hip hop producer. So like you put those two together. I mean, I, I do stuff like that every day now. So like those definitely served me. But uh you know, it wasn't too long after those internships where I was just like just straight up doing my own thing, you know, right out of college. So then what essentially was your own thing? Did you start off with music videos or the or the film? Everything, man. Everything, everything. I, I moved to New York City and like, you know, I, I was I moved with one of my best friends growing up and he worked in finance. It was such a fun, dichot fun dichotomy to like our lives because he would wake up at like 6 a.m. and like go to his finance job. I'd wake up at like 11 <laughs> and uh, I would like I, I, in my bedroom, I was in a tiny bedroom and, uh, I like rolled out of bed and like went right to my desk and my desk was like, kind of like my little recording studio, whatever. I had like a microphone and speaker set up and I would legit just like make beats all day and like email people all day. And, uh, I had a little bit of a, I had my foot in the door a little bit cause I worked with like two or three semi known artists mm. while I was still in college. Um, so by the time I graduated, like I had a little bit of a track record where I could get clients. But when I say clients, I mean, like I was recording kids for like 20 bucks an hour and like, you know, selling beats for like 80 bucks a pop and, you know, doing music videos for like, you know, four or 500 bucks here and there. But it wasn't anything crazy. And I remember like my rent back then was like 1100 bucks a month or something. And I, I would be like barely getting by, man. And those and that first year I was barely getting by like you know, there were months where I'd have to ask my parents to help me out. You know, it was just that type of thing. So right. it was, uh, you know, but, but it was something I wanted to do. And, you know, deep down in my uh, heart of hearts, I knew it was the right thing I want, you know, the right thing to do. So I was going to say, yeah, like what kept you motivated, you know, during those tough times and when you couldn't even, you know, get enough money to pay rent? It was just, uh, it was little victories, man. It was little victories. And, and dude, when I say like my parents would help me out sometimes, like I'm lucky to be able to say that because not everyone can say that, you know, and and I was by no means like slumming it. Like my apartment was shitty, but like I wasn't like in like the projects, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's 
it was uh it was just like there was little victories like you know you just get those little victories that like kind of take you to the next step and give you that motivation where it's like like oh man uh you know like i i finally got like 500 bucks to do a music video you know like that was a little victory back then and it's like that's like half my rent like that's dope so like little victories like that and you know each one was bigger than the next and you start reaching out to up and coming artists and that you know that's how i met mike i reached out via email you know, I would just, I would go on music, music blogs every day and I'd find artists that I'd want to work with. And I'd, I just email them and email them beats or whatever. And I would just connect that way. And, you know, I would even offer to work for free sometimes if it was, you know, an artist that was pretty well known. So it was just, you know, that, that was what it was like starting out. Yeah. So you, I mean, you really showed it was whatever, whatever it was going to take for you to the next level, you, you were really willing to do it. Um, mm-hmm. so again, to obviously the big producer, I mean, I'll talk about the podcast and the music, but talk about like the short films a little bit. That's, that's something I feel like I really don't know too much about you. I know you do them, but I'm not, I don't know too much about it. Uh, well, filmmaking, I actually got into, I got into feature films, which is just full, you know, full movie length films. I got into it about three, three and a half years ago, I'd say. Um, I mean, music videos were, was like my thing for a while. It's like how I came up in filmmaking and how I got into the music industry. I've, I've legit probably made over 300 music videos if I had a guest. Uh, and it was great. Like I love music videos, but ultimately like since I was young, I wanted to make movies and you know, it's not, it's not easy to just start making movies. Right, you know? yeah. So <laughs> probably around the end of 2017, like, I, I just made the decision with myself. I'm like, uh, I'm never going to be ready to make a movie. I'm just going to write a movie, just fucking make it. Um, so in the end of 2017, like I just, I wrote a script and in early 2018, you know, my, I, I partnered with a good buddy of mine uh, from New York, who's a longtime friend of mine. And we, we kind of went in on it together and we raised the money on Kickstarter. We raised like 20, 30 grand mm-hmm. uh, on Kickstarter, which was a, you know, not a great budget, but you know, it's, Better than it's something. Yeah, way better than nothing. So, uh, and then yeah, we just we kind of just dove right in. We uh, we produced the whole thing, and we you know got actors from all act crew and actors from all over the country. Uh, we shot it in like the Boston area where I'm from, in uh, in the summer of 2018, and then uh, and then yeah, I spent the next probably like six months to eight months like, you know, editing it and doing the sound design and submitting it to film festivals and you know we, we got into a handful of film festivals it, it was it was a great fucking experience man but at the end of the day like it it sucked the fucking soul out of me it was probably the oh, hardest yeah. thing i've ever had it is the hardest thing i ever had to do you know you plan on doing um, it again or oh yeah dude i'm already i'm a <laughs> i'm a glutton for punishment i'm already <laughs> almost done writing i'm almost done writing the second movie and uh it's just it was one of the most fun experiences in my life man as hard as it was and you know there was one point where, you know, I was investing my own money into it on top of the Kickstarter money. And I was just like, I sucked all the fucking money I ever had. Like I just sucked it all out and put it into this thing. And it wasn't even for the outcome of it. You know, it was just for the process of learning uh, how to, how to make a movie, you know, and you make all those, you make all the rookie mistakes, you, you know, with anything you do, you make all the rookie mistakes the first time you do it, you know, it's, you know, I don't want to say it sucked. Uh, I don't want to say the product sucked because, like, I think the outcome was actually pretty good. But, you know, you know, it's not going to be perfect. Right. You learn. You learn along the way, and the next one always. Yeah, you learn along the way, and you know this. You know, the second movie is not going to be as shitty as the first one, and so on and so forth. 
it's just, you know, with movies, it's like, you know, you're taking two, three years of your life to do one of them. So right. it's like, it was one of the most humbling experiences in my life. And I, I'm, I'm excited to work on the next one, but it's uh dude, it's tough, man. I mean, you, you talk about making a film, like a lot of people struggle with the whole funding process of it, mm. you know, like they, that could take years for some people. And for me, it's like, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have this like wonderful audience over the years, you know, like the, you know, the Mike Studd fan base and all mm -hmm. that, that we've had over the years. And I can do something like a Kickstarter where I can raise money and, you know, utilize the fan base. And I, I'm just so uh, lucky to have that type of outlet to, to, to finance a movie. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to work on the next one though, man. I'm, I'm hopefully going to shoot it at the end of this year, or maybe early next year. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, I can relate to the way smaller scale, but like you were saying, like how the next one's always going to be better than the first one. Cause mm -hmm. I started off with the podcast, like my first one I, I did it with my brother and the audio sucked. Like I, put, <laughs> I, was, mad. I, was, I was thinking, I was like, I'm going to redo it. And I was like, just put it out and just go on to the next one and make it better. So like you said, like you learn along the way. And oh now, yeah, man. But podcasting is great. I mean, especially cause you know, if you're doing a weekly show, you get to put something out every week, you know, right. and, and you can learn from your mistakes from last week, you know? So I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're like 74 episodes deep on the YNK podcast. And like, dude, when we started out, I was filming our episodes on, on fucking iPhones, you know, <laughs> I was filming on iPhones and like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And, you know, we've, we've really like escalated it over the past year and a half to two years. So it's, dude, it's like anything, you know, that that's why up and coming people who are doing up and coming podcasts and, you know, they're, they're early on, they're in their first like 10, 20 episodes. It's like, dude, like don't don't get caught up on the the quality of it because it's just, just going to get better, you know, as you exactly. keep doing it. Exactly. Yeah. The YNK podcast is actually what got me into podcasts. Like, I never listened to podcasts before that, and I really Amazing. enjoy it because, like, you just I feel like I learn, like I feel like I know, like who you and Mike are just through listening, you know, through you guys speaking, even tell their guests. But um, that was mm -hmm. also my next thing too. Like with the podcast, I'm guessing it was all self taught. You kind of just, you know, what I mean, yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm really since I, I mean, I when I was talking about this, uh, you know, when I first started out my first year out of college, like I, I was like, I kind of made myself like a Swiss army knife of, you know, producing because I could do so many different things. And I was interested, I was interested in so many different things. And, uh, I was, you know, I was engineering, I was engineering, I was a sound engineer. I was, a um, music producer. I was a video producer, video editor, so like you take all those things and you look at podcasting, that's all podcasting is. It's sound right. and it's video, you know, and luckily I now like 10 years into it, I'm a pro at both, you know, like I've, I've been doing it for so long. So, uh, you know, the, a lot of these setups that we do, um, especially in the past, like three, four months, like it's legit, just fucking me, you know, like I'm setting up all the cameras, I'm setting up the lighting, I'm setting up the sound and right. I'm editing, I'm editing a lot of like the episodes, I'm editing the sound and you know, it, it's a lot of it's just me doing the whole thing. And it's because I've, I took on that, you know, uh, that task of learning all these different, you know, all these different things. So, and it's crazy. It, it's, there's a crazy lesson in that, you know, like 10 years ago, I didn't even know what a podcast was. I was going to say that it's relatively new. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 10 years ago, I, I didn't even know what a podcast was. And you know, people were podcasting 10 years ago, like Joe Rogan started 10 years ago, right. but it, it, was, it was a fairly new concept. And you know, I was learning all these different trades, like not really knowing what each of them were going to be useful for. And then, you know, you look eight years later, it's like, oh, I'm like a perfect, I'm a perfect candidate to produce a podcast. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm maybe one of the pr most perfect candidates in the world because not many people are like learning how to 
produce both sound and and picture you know like people usually pick one or the other exactly. i'm one of the few, i'm one of the few people that's like just kind of dove balls deep in sound and video and uh it you know made me a perfect candidate to produce podcasts so it's you know it, there's a perfect lesson in there where it's like you know when you're when you, when you're in the process of learning something you don't really know what it's going to be used for and it, it might it might present itself 10 years from now you know right now, what was the yeah. thought process of getting a podcast just because it was kind of an up and coming thing and you just want to start something new or? Yeah, it was, it was a number of things. Uh, I mean, we were, we were always fans of Rogan. It was always, you know, Rogan was always on at the house and I, you know, we weren't like, you know, we weren't super trailblazers when we started the podcast because, you know, there were a lot of podcasts out, but in the, as far as musicians go, I mean, I don't think there were, besides like Joe Budden, there weren't like a ton of musicians doing podcasts. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, we were, you know, one of the first, you know, musicians to start doing a podcast uh and we just wanted to i mean you know with we were talking about touring's boring that was a way for the our fans to connect with us and we didn't really have that you know utilization of fans being able to connect with us anymore so the podcast was a great way to let fans know you know the type of people we were and to kind of give again give like an inside look at the type of people we are and and it's a great networking tool you know to get, get guests and actually have like a excuse to sit down and talk with someone for an hour at a time, which, you know, no one does anymore in, in society. So, uh, you know, really just all those reasons. Now, just real curious, what can we look out for on, on the bald on live podcast that all, it's just going to be all Johnny and Mike, or it's going to, it's the, we're going to do seasons. So it'll probably be like 10 episode seasons. If I had a guess, the first season is going to be a lot of, it's just going to be Mike and Johnny. Uh, I mean, Johnny's network is, limitless right. uh he you know so when we do start reaching out to guests i mean they're going to be incredible you know they're going to yeah. be great now that that podcast was awesome too when johnny came on mike because i that's another thing i feel like with the guests you have on like there's a lot of people that are mis misunderstood like him like trevor bauer and that really gives you mm -hmm. like the inside look to the people they are and that why they made the decisions they did because i mean <clears throat> i know johnny Manziel definitely took a lot of heat for you know the whole nfl thing and whatnot but yeah, man, that's the key word is misunderstood. And the reason why a lot of these athletes are misunderstood is because of how the media is portraying them. And then when the media portrays them a certain way, then they get portrayed a certain way in social media. And then, you know, like the masses chime in. Yeah, run away so with you, they don't really get to dictate the narrative of their own life, you know, which is insane. And what's special about podcasts and our podcast is that we give we give the athletes a platform to to write their own nar narrative. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's why sports journalism is going to go more towards podcasts and less towards, you know, the ESPNs of the world, because the athletes are going to be able to write their own narrative and you're right. going to get the truth. You're going to get the truth instead of what, you know, instead of what the mainstream media is painting it as. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so something you said earlier, you know, kind of what I want to get into as well. So, you know, how did you you briefly touched on how did you get started on this whole journey with Mike? You know, was it something you just believed from the start or? Um, yeah, as I mentioned before, I mean, I, I connected with Mike by just emailing him in like 2011, you know, like he, he was, he had like, you know, maybe two songs out at the time. And, uh, I just saw a music video. I think it was college humor on a music blog and I just emailed him and I was like, Hey, I think you're dope. And I, I saw a lot of alignments cause you know, he was, you know, kind of, you know, hit the, the music video I saw, he, he was like at a college, he was partying and, you know, I, I, I knew he was like an ex-athlete and I had like a fraternity background. So like there was that male camaraderie element that right. I saw, and, you know, there, there was an alignment there. So 
I, I reached out and, you know, we talked back and forth and we ended up doing, uh, you know, some music together. And then that kind of sprouted into doing some videos together and it kind of just built from there. But that's, I mean, that it was just, that's kind of how it organically started. It was just kind of reaching out. Now, could you have ever envisioned where you guys are at now from that time you guys started? No, no, absolutely not. And like at the time, like, you know, Mike wasn't a huge artist. He had two songs out, you know, and he was on a long list of other people I wanted to work with that I was reaching out to. So it wasn't like, oh, like Mike said, like, this is it. This is my ticket. Like that's, you know, it yeah. wasn't like that back then because it was so new. But I think that's what made the come up so special is that, you know, our intentions were just to grow together. You know? when, when would you say it turned from like fun to like a business to like this, you know, this is us. <laughs> uh, man, that's, that's tough. Um, probably we probably started headlining our own shows and like tours around, like it was pretty early on to be honest with you. I mean, it didn't blow up overnight, but it blew up in the sense where, you know, we were going on tour, like probably a year later, Yeah, you know, it was like, we kind of fucked around for like six months to a year where, you know, we were opening a couple of shows and we were making, you know, we were kind of just fucking around a little bit. And then it's like, all right, we're Mike's big enough where we can actually go on a routed tour and like sell out these little, like two, 300 person rooms and bars and, you know, actually go around the country. And that, that's when it's like, you know, that's when the touring's boring kicked in and it's like, like we have to run this business. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, it's, that was uh man it was a trip dude it was hilarious oh yeah I, I know the first concert my brother went to it was in philly i think there was like 30 people there he told me about mm -hmm. it and then a couple years later like that picture i showed you at the tla i guess a couple hundred uh just curious where's your if you have one favorite place you've toured to yeah that's a great question um i think back at all like the memorable venues over the years um there's the the blue moose the blue moose in iowa city that uh, RIP, they just shut it down. But that, I mean, we, we, no matter how big we got over the years, we always went back to the Blue Moose. It was like this like little 600 person. I mean, when it, 600 person sounds big, but when you actually go to the place, like you wouldn't think 600 people could fit in that room, but they right. really just fucking jam it in. And it was like this little like shithole college bar. <laughs> and uh, we would go there every year, man. And it was like, uh, man, it was, it was, it was just a beautiful place to perform. I'm sad that uh, they shut it down, but yeah, the blue moose, shout out the blue moose. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think other venues that, uh, and then on a larger scale, you know, when we did the house of blues in Boston, that's just like a, a massive venue. That was one of our bigger shows. That's like 2,500 people. And the, the first, we sold that out, I believe on the, that, that 2014 tour and like being able to do that, you know, coming, coming from like two years later of doing like you know, little 300 person rooms to go right. into Boston two years later and doing 2,500 people sold out. I mean, that, that was something else that, I mean, <laughs> I'll never forget the feeling of like coming out on that stage the, the first time we sold that out. And were you, you were coming out doing the national anthem on a guitar or was that a different tour? That was a different tour. That was uh, the first time we sold out Boston house of blues. I was not yet doing that yet, but I believe in like 2016, like a few years after that is when I started doing the national anthem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my next question was, I guess it's kind of new that you guys are doing now, but moving around so often, does how much of like an impact or an effect does that have on the business? Uh, it's more, definitely more good than bad. You know, mo moving around is great because you uh, you don't really give yourself a chance to to have like distractions in a way like you can't get comfortable, you know, right. um, 
So you're kind of forced to just like hyper focus on the business, which is great. And I, I think Mike can you know attest to this. Since we left LA, like our, our business has been booming because we've just been just just diving in on our work completely. And you know, there's been some distractions, especially when we're in Scottsdale. That's a pretty dangerous city. But you know, when we're when we were in places like you know an hour outside Missoula, Montana, there's zero distractions. You know, there's like nothing we can possibly do. We we probably went out like three times in the six weeks we were there. So, you know, you're just forced to hyper-focus on business and your, you know, your mental health and your physical health. And, uh, that's dude, it's a great way to, it's a great way to just focus. You know, that's, that's the main word. I know my, my, the Montana house looked awesome. Like you were saying, you might have some distractions in Scottsdale, but I feel like being in Montana with no distractions and, and stuff like that must've been, must've been cool. Uh, so now you're in Tampa is Nashville next or you guys plan on going somewhere after that? Uh, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, when I say we're winging it, dude, like we're fucking winging it. Like sometimes we don't know where we're going until like a week beforehand, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like we're, we're super winging it. We'll be here probably a month and a half to two months if I had a guess. And then we're kicking around the idea of going to like, you know, Austin, maybe like outside Austin, like Lake Travis possibly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, who knows? We're, we're fucking winging it. What goes into the decision? Just something, a place you guys want to see next or? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it, man. It's like, we have the freedom at this point where our business is very mobile and um, you know, like business is, is lucrative enough where we can just kind of point a finger and say, we want to live here. And then we kind of pack up all our shit and we just go there and live there, you know? So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful freedom that I don't know if we're going to have for too much longer because we're getting older and you know, who knows what's going to happen in our lives. But uh, I'm just, you know, myself and the rest of the guys were just kind of cherishing this opportunity for now. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. So now that you guys have been doing this for about 10 plus years, looking back on the journey, is there anything that you would have done differently at any point or no, fuck no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, in our business, no, absolutely not. I mean, it's everything we did, the mistakes, the fuck ups, the, the successes, uh, it all led to this point, And I, I, you know, I wouldn't want to be in a different position right now. So I, I wouldn't change anything. That's, that's kind of the answer I, I was assuming to get, but um, mm-hmm. uh, like you mentioned earlier, the tour is boring and, you know, you guys had to take it down. Have you guys ever received like actual like backlash or negativity for some no. of the antics you guys have done or? No, absolutely not. And it's, that's the thing, dude. Like it, if it was still up today, I guarantee you we would, you know, like I guarantee, but you look at two, three years ago and, and before that the world was just a different place. Yeah. You know? And I, I stand by it. We didn't do anything wrong. And we were, we were always respectful. And I don't think anyone would ever have anything bad to say about us that, you know, has ever met us before. Like no one would have a bad thing to ever say about us because we're just, we're respectful to everyone. But uh, if you don't know us and you saw those videos today and the social climate we're in today, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there would be backlash. But now I'm, so, I'm talking not just like Torrance Boring, you know, being like independent, kind of just freelancing. Did anyone ever, you know, just give you negative energy like not believe in you know what you're doing or anything like that uh yeah i mean mike's mike's artist name was mike stud (laughs) (laughs) you know like just if you didn't know the guy and you just saw him especially like six seven years ago like if you saw him and all of us like we just looked like a bunch of cocky little douchebags you know and like i i if you looked at it on the surface i get like i get not liking it you know and uh i'm sure that was part of the decision of mike's name change and um and now it's like you know 
now I, now I wouldn't really understand any negative backlash. Cause like, you know, we, we just stand for so much positivity and, you know, I don't, I don't really, I wouldn't really understand the hate at this point, but <laughs> who knows? Absolutely. Now what about like friends and family? Did they kind of understand you know, what you were doing from the start or. Yeah, that was, dude, that was, uh, for Mike and myself, I mean, we, we're, we're so lucky and, and grateful to have family that kind of stood by us. Cause I mean, on Mike's, Mike's side of things, he was supposed to be a baseball player, right? you know, and his family had to go through that journey with him since a young age. They, you know, they, they supported him being an athlete his whole life. You think about what goes into that, especially with baseball, you know, all like the, all like the seasons and like the traveling and all that growing up as a kid. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you give that up and you're like, I want to be a rapper, <laughs> as, you know, as, as a parent, it's like, what do you, you know, how do you handle that and whatever. But, and you know, that Mike's parents from what I've seen were incredibly supportive, you know, of him changing his career paths and being a musician. Uh, and then on my end, it's like, dude, there's no creative people in my family, you know, like my dad, my dad was like a consultant uh, for a tech company and my, my brothers in finance, my mother was in real estate and it's like, you know, I'm kind of the black sheep right. and they couldn't, have, they couldn't have been more supportive, you know, like, you know, throughout all of it, you know, going to college, majoring in film and then, you know, wanting to take on this, this career path, they, they couldn't have been more supportive. So we were very lucky in that sense. Yeah, I think that's a big, big thing, having the support system that you guys have, you know, mm -hmm. always having, as long as the most important people like believe in you, then there's nothing else really to worry about. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so a couple, I had a couple more questions for you. The one thing was, and I, I've been seeing it real recently, you know, what makes you so willing to come on fans podcast? I know you joke and say you don't do anything, but I know you're busy, you know, wherever you guys are at. So <laughs> uh, it's a few things, man. Um, one, I, I think the, the podcast medium is so important. Uh, yeah, I said this earlier. People just don't sit and talk anymore. Right. You know, people don't sit and just have a conversation anymore. And I know it, it's, we have to do this digitally because we're not in like the same geographic area. But right. I mean, even with our podcast, just like getting people to sit down and talk is just so important. And, uh, you know, we're kind of losing that as a society and everything's just so digital now and people just don't talk anymore. So I, one, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of that. I'm a huge advocate of just podcasts in general. Um, I think it's a great way to get information now. Uh, everything's so watered down in mainstream media and like big networks that I think podcasts are the future. I think it's the, I think it's the way to get information now. And I'm just a huge advocate of just people starting their own thing, you know, like you and so many other podcasts I've been on. I mean, they're, they're in their early episodes. They're just starting out. And, uh, I'm just, I'm an advocate of just people kind of starting out. And if I can, play even the smallest part of you know helping in that for other people then I, I'm, I'm totally on board with it yeah i really appreciate that and you're right i feel like you know good conversations have kind of dwindled down and podcasts is a, is a good spot to get on i mean it's like i said your podcast has definitely like made me think differently like getting the deeper conversations with people um mm -hmm. and that's what i've been trying to do ultimately with this podcast as well hell yeah man yeah, yeah. and it's dude, dude podcasts have changed our lives it, it's changed how we how we spend our days and what we talk about as a group. And then once our conversation started improving and being more positive, then our lives became more positive. So, I mean, in a way you could say like it almost started with things like podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. It's just more meaningful conversations, deeper conversations instead of just like just bullshitting with each other, essentially. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're a product of what we feed our minds and it all starts with the media that we watch. 
you know, on Instagram or TV or podcasts or books. And if you feed your mind with positive stuff or with stuff that, um, you know, serves you in some type of way, then it's going to improve your life and in, in your mental mind state. So, um, you know, podcasts are a huge chunk of that huge chunk, you know, they're so informative. And if you watch the right podcasts, uh, you know, it, you can just learn so much and you can just learn to be a better person, I think. Absolutely. And instead of being cliche, I was going to ask you about if you had any advice for anyone, but how about, could you plug in maybe a couple books you're reading or a couple of podcasts that you're listening to? Absolutely. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, I'm re all right. The two, the two books that I always push out are, let's go with three books. Um, I, I dove into Malcolm Gladwell about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a, a phenomenal, phenomenal author. Uh, he's written so many good books. The, the ones I would read from Malcolm Gladwell are, uh, outliers, which is his biggest book. And then, um, David and Goliath. I think those two are, are just really great. Um, they kind of motivate you in ways that aren't, uh, obvious. They kind of, they motivate you by showing other examples of like other people, success stories. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, they're super fucking interesting. So definitely those two books. Um, if you're into like, if you're an entrepreneur or you're starting a business, uh, think and grow rich is a fantastic book by Napoleon Hill. Uh, it's, it's really old and you know, it's not, it's not the most fascinating read, but it's very, uh, it's just very motivating, you know, and it, it gets you to think differently about starting a business. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, right now I'm finishing, um, think like a monk by Jay Shetty, which is yeah, just, uh, I, I, I just read that a little bit. It was a great book. Yeah, it's a great book. And, you know, again, it, it just forces you to think differently and you're getting uh, the perspective from a person who used to be a monk and study to be a monk. And uh, it again, it, it teaches you simple things, but important things like, you know, like gratitude and mm -hmm. uh, all, all that type of stuff. So I, uh, I, th I th those would be my picks for sure. How about podcasts other than the YNK podcast? Do you listen to anything else or? Yeah, dude, to be honest with you, like I, I'm so balls deep in our podcast that I don't really have much time to listen to podcasts. Yeah, I figured. When, when I do listen to stuff, I'm listening to uh, those audiobooks. Mm. And I'm a big I'm a big audiobook guy because I, you know, when I when I exercise or like I go for runs or whatever, like I'm I'm kind of multitasking and listening to audiobooks at the same time. So that's that's how I'm kind of making use of my time. But uh, you know, we we all love Rogan. Uh, <laughs> we we've been we've been losing it at that uh that podcast million dollar baby you know that one nah nah i think barstool just picked it up it ch check it out it's it's a fucking hoot <laughs> it's really good um i'm I'm blanking right now but i mean we, we kind of dabble in a bunch of different podcasts for sure so is that what you do though you do audiobooks you don't like physically read them yourself or i re i read uh i read some of them i'm a i'm a huge besides like the you know um the self-help you know, quote unquote, self-help type books. Mm -hmm. I really, I'm really into um, like rock and roll autobiographies and those I actually like physically read because I just prefer it that way. Right. Uh, perfect book. This book will not serve you in any way other than just entertain you, but <laughs> the dirt by Motley Crue. It's, it's I was going to say, I watched the movie. I've heard <laughs> the book before. No, dude, the, the, the movie, I'm not going to show the movie because like I love the book so much, but the movie is like a B minus and the book is an A plus plus. Really? It, it just leaves out because there's no way you can make a movie out of that book because there's just so many stories, you know, and it, and it, it just covers their whole career and you can't fit that in a movie. It should have been, it honestly should have been like a series. I feel like, like the book is usually better than the movie for most things. Yeah. They just couldn't, there's no way they could fit it all in the movie. And the movie was like, you know, slightly cheesy, but it, you know, 
I can't say it was that cheesy because they put all the they put a lot of the best parts in the movie. Yeah. Especially like that girl, like you know, squirting her ejaculate across the room in the first <laughs> you know five minutes of the film, which started off right away. That's how the book starts. It's on page one, page one, chapter one. Like it talks about a girl like squirting come across the room. So like. <laughs> I didn't, dude, before I read that book, I read that book probably like five years ago. Before I read that book, I didn't read. I just flat out didn't read. Yeah. And, and I read that book, page one, chapter one, girl squirting come across the room. I'm like, I'm, I'm a reader now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, books can be this, like, these are books. <laughs> so like, I, I read the dirt and then I reread the dirt and then I started, I started just falling in love with uh, rock and roll autobiographies. And I've read probably like 10 at this point. And I, I just love rock stars are just so fascinating to me like their whole especially the ones that came up in like you know the 70s and the 80s they're right. so so fascinated by those stories yeah I, I was supposed to go to see motley Crue back this summer same bro i had tickets bro i had tickets motley Crue, def leopard poison joan jett i had a, i had them at the uh in la at the new ram stadium dude i was so psyched fucking canceled i was supposed to see him last september mm-hmm. are, yeah, are they gonna reschedule that shit or what I think this has an email not till like 2023 or something. I don't even know if they're going to be on the tour by then. I won't hold my breath. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be in 2020. Then I think it was going to be this year, and then they pushed it back. And so I was, I'm not huge into rock. My dad's into all that stuff, but he's got me into like Molly Crew and stuff like that. And it would have been an awesome concert. But yeah, I got, I got dad taste in music for sure. I'm like definitely, I got dad taste in music. But I've been seeing Def Leppard and Poison have been touring together for. Uh, for years for like a de- over a decade i think i i've seen them two or three times already it's, a, dude, it's amazing it's, they're so torn yeah dude the drummer for def leopard's got one arm he's <laughs> only got he's had one arm since like 88 <laughs> and he's just still the band just like stuck with him they're like yeah our drummer has one arm you need arms to drum but fuck it we'll just stick with him and you know that that's a dude that's a fascinating story the fucking the drummer of def leopard fucking got in a corvette accident lost his arm and then the the band instead of dumping him stuck with him and they went on to make their highest selling album of all time how long ago was that that was like 88 i think wow i might be wrong but it's around like the late 80s i believe and that's when they that's when they came out with like pour some sugar on me and like all those mm-hmm. those songs that you know drummer had only one fucking arm yeah that's great that, that would be cool, <laughs> cool to see in concert but probably have to wait a couple more years or so i know yeah so don't sleep on Def Leppard. They're they're incredible live. <laughs> um, I got like one more question, but real quick, if you mind just dropping social media handles so people can see your, your content that you post. Yeah, yeah. My socials are all at John Kilmer with no H, J-O-N, Kilmer. And then uh, our podcast is, uh, I think it's at YNK underscore podcast for uh, Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely. And then, so I kind of do a final question on each podcast just to, a question that maybe everyone can relate to. And it's something that I've, I've heard you say a lot on the YNK podcast and maybe on the only Steve's you've talked about multiple times, how like 2020 for you was a great year. And you might've even said the best year, what made it, you know, such a great year for you and such a difficult time, you know, for the whole country and the whole world actually. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was a little timing and luck, but I mean, let's talk about the Belina cup for a second. I mean, the Belina cup virtual beer pong tournament started because well, one, we did it for charity, but it started because everyone was quarantined in their homes. No one could hang out with each other. We love the great game of beer pong. <laughs> yeah, you do. We, yeah, you know. And then, uh, you know, we Mike came up with the idea to 
to hit up a bunch of celebrities in his network and to, uh, you know, have, have, have them play beer pong virtually against each other for charity. And uh, we would have never come up with that idea if, you know, COVID never happened, if the yeah. quarantine never happened. It was a huge hit. We raised a ton of money for charity. And, uh, and then it went on to be a huge business model for us where we, you know, we continued to do it as a high stakes virtual beer pong tournament, you know, that we do every like six, six weeks or so. And it's where anyone can, you know, buy in and play. And right now at the March Madness tournament, there's 96 teams and the winner gets 5,000 bucks and a free trip to come play us in person. So like, you know, that, that, that's going to be a business model that's going to continue to grow. The Bellina Cup probably is now, but will be the biggest beer pong league in the world. And it would have never started if, you know, if COVID never happened. So, I mean, that's, that's just a perfect scenario of, you know, taking a bad situation and, you know, finding some good out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys definitely, I would say blossomed over, over uh, the year 2020 with things like the Blina Cup, the podcast and music, you know, gradually coming out. But um, yeah, John, that's, that's kind of all I had for you. This, like I said, this was a surreal thing for me, like following you for so many years and, and just, you know, to hop on a podcast with you, it, it's more than I could ask for. And I really, really appreciate you coming on here, man. Dude, yeah, seriously, anytime. Don't hesitate to bring me on again. I, I'd love to. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Don, and uh, good luck. All right, dude. Good luck to you, dude. Keep Thanks. crushing it.